Hey, good morning, Crossway family. I'm so glad that you are um, joining us to worship. And I want to thank Bobby and Julie and Mike and April, who are behind the scenes, and uh, Pastor Paul and Christian and Veronica, everyone here in behind the scenes serving as well and making this uh, happen. So I want to thank them. And of course, I want to thank John for presiding with his new haircut and um, sharing with us. And I uh, just wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, uh, this week, there was a lot of things said um, by the president about uh, churches becoming essential and so on and so forth. And when is churches, when are churches going to open? Um, you know, church has never really been closed. We've been doing church and we've been worshiping. And so we're going to continue online for a little bit longer. Um, and we're going to wait till the state of California moves into now phase three where churches are allowed to open up. Um, and uh, we've been reading and following the CDC guidelines. And so we want to do what's safest for our members and continue uh, worshiping in this medium. I mean, we are continuing. We are meeting in community groups. Kids are growing in their Sunday schools and youth group uh, students are meeting. And so church is continually moving. And uh, we want to continue this for a little longer. Sometime this summer, we'll start opening things back up and uh, we'll let you know as soon as possible. It's interesting, even on Friday, within hours, things are changing. And so I wish I could tell you a definite date and when we're going to do this. Um, but there are a lot of factors that we are going to add um, and put together. But we want to make sure you are safe and comfortable. And uh, we want to continue our online worship as well. Eventually, we'll get back in person as well. Uh, but we'll continue, and uh, the church will continue. And so I ask for your prayers. Um, I ask you pray for our church, our leadership, our elders, um, our staff, uh, all of our members. Some, I know, are longing to get together, uh, really wanting to come and sing together, worship together. Uh, and we're going to make that happen soon. So just ask for your prayers, some patience. And um, as I mentioned last week, whatever side you're on, maybe you feel like this is no big deal, right? And we should just get back together. And maybe you're on the other side and you feel like, man, you know, we, we should really be careful. And so there'll be people in all different spectrums and we want to be just extra loving and patient during this time. So I'm going to ask you to practice that. I'm going to ask you to show kindness and grace to someone you might not agree with on certain things and the climate of our day, you know, is everything is now unfortunately becoming so politicized and uh, uh, you don't have to have a side and you don't have to uh, side with someone on this, right? Uh, we are waiting for this pandemic uh, to pass and uh, it'll pass one day. And so uh, let me encourage you with that. Uh, we'll keep you updated as soon as anything comes up. But in the meanwhile, we'll be worshiping online as you have been doing. And I just am grateful for all the people behind the scenes who have been making this go so well. And you know, it's at times like this and trials is a wonderful time for us to really double down and build up our character. This is a time to be generous. This is a time to be extra loving. This is a time uh, to practice our spiritual disciplines. Um, this is not just a time to let go and just waste this opportunity. But this times like this, you want to do more. You want to seek God more. You want to practice and grow in your character. And today we look at one of the characters, uh, characteristics of uh, the way of wisdom is our 
speech and the way that a fool might speak. And you know, in the Bible, there are two types of people, especially in Proverbs. There's the wise person, which obviously the book of Proverbs is trying to make us wiser. This is how the wise person lives. And in contrast to the wise, there's the fool. And a fool is someone who doesn't take now these commands and lives his own way. And the fool does something that's interesting is they, they speak very differently than the wise person. And I'm not just talking about intelligence or education, um, but I'm talking about the type of words that they might use, the type of speech that comes from their mouth. Uh, Dallas Willard said, there's really two great words or types of words that we as Christians speak. And I love this quote. There are two great words in the Bible that describe the posture of our souls toward another, towards other people. One is to bless them, and the other is to curse them. So we're creatures with wills, and with every encounter with other people, we will what is good for them, or we will what is bad. Blessing is not just the word. Blessing is the projection of good into another, he says. So you have the power of life or death through your words. As Willard says, you have now these two great words to bless someone, to project the blessing on someone, or a curse. Now obviously it's the wise who bless many people. They bless all the people that hear them. And it's the fool who curses others. And obviously we want to be wise. And today we want to look at this and uh, this topic. And there are uh, five ways that a fool speaks. We want to learn what not to do. We want to get rid of during this opportunity that we have at home. Five ways to, that the fool speaks that we don't want to copy. Right? Uh, last week we looked at how the positive words were like seeds in, invested in people and it grows and it's fruitful. And how negative words can be like bullets and it could hurt people. And so we look at these negative hurtful words, you know, um, is interesting. Uh, we know the power of negative words. I mean, one quote um, that I read, Vince Foster, who was with the Clinton administration, when he had died of suicide, he left a note. And on his note, he wrote here, talking about Washington, here ruining people is considered a sport. Death is in the power of the tongue. And he took his own life. And it has that kind of power. The words we say have that kind of power in this way. You know, there was a study done that talked about relationships. If you want to have a positive, a strong relationship, uh, you have to offset your negative comment. And this is at the workplace or with your spouse or with your family or your friends. You might say a negative comment to them. You might say something discouraging, which we all do. But you have to offset that with five encouraging, positive comments. Uh, the uh, people who studied this and came up with this, uh, this report, Fredrickson, Losada, and Gottman in their study, they said that you have to offset it with five positive words in order to now have a flourishing relationship. Uh, we know it's the negative words that stay with us. It's the put-downs that affect us a lot more than the positive words. And maybe more than five to one ratio, we probably have to say a lot more. But in order to maintain some kind of a positive relationship, you have to now reinforce uh, those negative things with five positive. And he even talks about, or they even talk about, 
even our facial expressions. Um, the negativity we might show, the nods of no or disapproval, all of those are ways we communicate something negative, and we have to offset that with something positive. And there is this type of uh, power. You know, just a little background on the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is broken up in various parts. Uh, 1 through 9 is the first part. 10 through 22 uh, is kind of the, the meat of it. It's a section called the Book of Solomon, and in it, just in that section, uh, there's 376 verses. Out of 376 verses, 132 of them, 35% of all the verses in just that little section of Proverbs talks about lips, tongue, mouth, speaking, mocking, etc. It talks about the words that we speak. 35%. It's like one out of every three sermons are about talking, basically, in that section. And we have to ask ourselves, why is that? Why is it mentioned so much? Why is it so uh, repeated and so, you know, so much in the Bible? Well, it's because we all talk so much. We all make a fool out of ourselves. We all hurt so many people in our words, and we have to be also very careful. The fool, the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. He who closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. This is not putting down someone who is an extrovert or who likes to tell a story or is talking. This is not saying, oh, well, pastor, your sermon should be that much shorter, right? Because, uh, boy, doesn't that make you look... It's not talking about that. It's talking about the character of a fool. Uh, and the description of the fool's words are described in, in Proverbs 12, 18. The words are rash. They're like sword thru thrusts, it says. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A fool gives full vent. Don't we say this sometimes with our best friends? And maybe, I don't know, maybe it happens more with our sisters, right? We say, you know, I just, had, I just need a vent. Right? And we say, I guess with guys we do this too. And you might call up a good friend, and you say, I just had, need to have a session, and I need to just vent. And you could talk. But it is the fool who gives a full vent to his spirit, who tells everything and every thought that they ever experienced. The fool is the person who thinks out loud and shares all of their hearts about other people, about negative things, about gossip, and so on. And so the fool is described as someone, boy, there's a lot of words in all of us. You might be reading this or hearing this right now. You might be thinking about yourself, gosh, yeah, I do talk a lot. You might be thinking about the person next to you. Oh, yeah, you know, he, he sure does talk a lot. You, you should be quiet and listen, right? Uh, you might be saying this about someone else. But it's all of us. It's me. It's you. We all talk way too much. And so even in the book of Proverbs, it is written over and over, one out of every three, about your mouth, about your lips, about your tongue, about quarreling, about gossip and slander and so on. Watch how you speak. The fool speaks in negative ways, and these are the five. And I want to highlight these five for us. Um, and then wrap it up with how the gospel of Christ helps us not to be foolish in our speech. Uh, number one is 
the fool belittles others, belittles. Proverbs eleven twelve. whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. They belittle. The word belittle, um, as we could say, is to make someone smaller than they are, less significant, less important. You take their work and they make it less of, uh, you know, take a smaller view on it. It's the idea, it literally means to despise or to contempt. And he says this person who belittles his neighbor lacks sense. They're dumb. He's saying you're stupid to do that. Why is that? Because it's your neighbor. What the writer of Proverbs is telling us is that if you belittle your neighbor, you lack sense of saying that person is on equal ground as you. He lives in the same neighborhood as you. He's in the same socioeconomic class as you. He probably has about the similar education as you. He eats the same food as you, goes to the same place. He's your neighbor and you belittling him, you're the one who has no sense. You're basically making fun of yourself. And so it makes no sense to belittle his neighbor in this way. What we ought to do is add value to people. It doesn't matter who you are, you can add value to someone. It doesn't matter how often you see them, you could say something positive. And those words sure make a difference, right? Um, you don't have to be the one in power, you don't have to be the one that's richer or smarter or older. You could just say something kind and add value. I remember I received a card from one of our uh, elementary students at our church just not that long ago. Here's a picture of the card if we have it. Um, and it says, Dear Pastor Steve, thank you for serving our church. It is a little letter. Thank you for teaching everybody about God. You are kind. Right? From Samantha. And he's, I love the bottom part. Congrats on the great job. Um, no one's told me congratulations on the great job. Right? And maybe after service today, someone in this room might say, Congratulations on the great job. Uh, but it's a little letter, a little card from a little girl at church. Wow, it's nice to hear. Everyone needs this. At the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., they have one display where they have the last belongings of Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, uh, when he was assassinated at the Ford Theater, um, all of his contents that were in his pockets are displayed, what he had. And he had two things with him when he, had, when he was assassinated. He had a $5 bill, and he had a new old newspaper clipping that was folded away, tucked in his pocket. And the old newspaper clipping was something about him. And the clipping said, Abe Lincoln is one of the greatest statesmen of all time. One of the greatest of all time. And it says that because someone even like him needed encouragement. Opposition was coming uh, from all sides and he needed this encouragement. You could imagine President Abe Lincoln pulling that out, right? And reminding himself when he is, someone is questioning him and someone is doubting him or cursing him, reminding himself, boy, of how good of a job he was actually doing. He needed the encouragement. Um, the second thing that the foolish person gets involved in is being quarrelsome. They argue, they fight, they debate all the time. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. It's the fool that wants to quarrel all the time. 
It's almost like their hobby. It's almost like a form of communication. They just want to get into it. They want to argue about anything and everything. And you think about this, why does the fool want to use this type of uh, communication? Why do they speak in this way? Well, because they want to show that they are right and you are wrong, right? That's how we quarrel with someone. That's how we argue with someone. And you, you were saying, well, this is, I think this shoe is pink and gray. And the other person said, no, I think this shoe is teal and purple or whatever it is that we see. And we say, oh, but yet we can get into an argument. The fool says, no, what you see is wrong. This is right. The fool likes to hear his own voice. The fool likes to say, I'm right. I need to be heard. Let me raise my voice. And you know, it usually starts, you know where quarreling starts? It starts with complaining. You ever meet someone or know someone who just complains about everything? If it's a little warm, it's too hot. If it's a little cold, it's too cold, right? Um, you know, sometimes the restaurant's too crowded. It's not crowded enough whatever it is, they, they, they complain. I read this quote and I thought this was so fun. Uh, it says, complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of someone else's mouth, but not your own, right? Isn't that true? Some of you this morning, you haven't brushed your teeth, right? That's what complaining is like. You might say, I smell your breath. I didn't brush my teeth yet, I'm at home. And sometimes with complaining, I hear others, I say, I don't want to hear it, but with me, I feel like it's okay, no. And so this quarreling, all of this is a foolish way of speaking. It's my way of saying I'm right, that I'm smarter, I'm better. Uh, the third is obvious is lying. The fool speaks by telling lies, slash, I want to put it together, by uh, using flattery. Um, lying and flattery are both negative. They're a little different, obviously, but they're both about what I say to someone's face, what I say to another person. So I might lie to someone or I might try to flatter them. And these are all ways that fools use to speak. Uh, Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. It's saying it's temporary. That person's lie is temporary. You're, you're not gonna get away with it. You're not gonna uh, get by forever. The truth will come out. It always does. And it might take a short time or a longer time, but it is temporary. And people will know if you are telling a lie or the truth. Years back, uh, there was a guy that I knew. And it was a very unfortunate situation because this guy was a habitual liar. Um, and uh, he would tell, I remember having a conversation with him and we we're talking about sports. And he says, oh, you know, he goes, Pastor, when, um, you know, when I was an, uh, an undergrad, I was like, I had a full scholarship to play soccer. And so I was uh, pretty, you know, impressed with that. I said, wow, you played soccer? Well, that's great. What position did you play? I had never played soccer. I don't know other, anything other than goalie. He said, well, I played goalie. I said, wow, that's great. You know, that must have been nice. And so I remember that. It's pretty rare for someone to get a full scholarship to play soccer, to play sports in college. Probably a month or two after that, after Bible study or something, a group of us were talking about football. I played football in high school. I, I would have dreamt of playing football in college. Wasn't fast enough, strong enough, good enough, right? And then we're talking, and he goes, oh, he goes, I played football in college. 
I said, oh, you mean when you were college age, you just played like football, like intramural? Because no, because I played football. He goes, I, I, he goes, I was on the team. I played middle linebacker. Now, soccer, it's hard to tell by looking at a person if they're a soccer player or not, right? Football, a middle linebacker looks like a middle linebacker. And he looked like the kicker, right? I was like, really? I said, you played middle linebacker? He goes, yeah. He goes, that, I did two sports in college. And so I thought, man, well, you know, maybe he did. Maybe he shrank after he, you know, college. I didn't know what to think. Um, I said, well, you sure don't look like a middle linebacker. You look like a kicker, right? You, got, you passed with a kicker, but middle linebacker. Wow, that's impressive. Um, and then a few months later, after something, group of people are talking about golf. And he comes up and he says, oh, he goes, I, I golf? I go, oh, really? You golf? And now by this point, I'm, I have a few you know, my radar is up, and I said, you play golf? I said, really? I said, I, I play golf. I, I struggle. I try. And here's the thing about golf. Guys that are good at golf never say that they're good at golf, right? It, really, if they're, like, really good, they never say they're really good, right? It's kind of like that with people that lift weights or work out or whatnot. They never say, oh, boy, I'm so this. And I said, well, I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I played a little bit in college. And um, I, I said, well, you know, and he says, yeah, I'm a scratch golfer now. And, um, you know, I just kind of left it at that. Uh, someone else in the group said, oh, he goes, now you're lying. Now I know you're lying, right? He says, I'll take you out and we'll go play and so on. And anyways, uh, he played and he wasn't a scratch golfer from what I heard, right? Uh, the liar, the flatterer. Why do people lie? Why do people want to flatter someone in front of them? It's all because they want to get something out of it. They want to impress the person so that they could get something out of it. I want to impress you so you will like me. I want to tell you something good, even if it not, might not be true, so I could get something out of this. It's inherently selfish. I love what Bruce Walke says in his commentary about this verse. He says that the villain victimizes himself. It's not them you're so hurting. You're actually hurting yourself. You're losing credit with people in this way. It is the Russian author Ayn Rand who uh, she talks about this phrase, the deadliness of second-handers, second-handers. And this concept of second-handers, it means that I only care about what the other person thinks about me. So this person that is concerned with the second hand or the second person and the perception they might have. They don't care about the truth. They don't care about what is right. All they care about is what the second hand or the second person thinks about them. In our day with social media and all that's out there, this is now kind of acceptable practice. Long as you get the likes, long as you can impress them, long as you portray something so the person watches and they might like this. But often it's not the truth or the facts, right? Uh, fourthly, the fool speaks, and there's five total, a couple more. The fool, uh, the way they speak, they use gossip and slander. Now I put these together, gossip and slander. It's a little different from lying and flattery. Lying and flattery is something I might say uh, to their face. Gossip and slander is something I would only say behind their back. I would never say these things in front of them. Uh, 
it is uh, R. Kent Hughes in his book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man, talks about these things, right? That the person who is a flatterer will tell that person to their face something, but never say those things behind their back. Whereas the person who is a gossip will say things about someone behind their back, but will never say those things in front of their face. And you might have encountered people like that. You might have been hurt by someone who had said something behind your back, but not to your face. Or maybe someone who tells you some, something to your face, but they do something on the contrary behind your back. And maybe you, at times, have done this as well. It says that the fool does not, the fool gossips, they slander others. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Words of the whisper, this is gossip, right? Uh, with a whisper, this is gossip. It's like delicious morsels. What it's saying is, um, it has kind of a two-fold benefit. Um, it's like a delicious morsel. It tastes good when I eat it. it. It's delicious when I eat it, but it goes deep inside, and maybe if it's rotten, you feel bad after you get food poisoning. That's the picture you get here. The words of the whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. You might hear it, and it's kind of sweet and fun, and it's intriguing, she did what? And he did this. And you hear some of those things to the ear. But when it goes deep inside, it is rotten. And it'll hurt you. Uh, regarding slandering, Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple blabber. There's a story, an old story about a woman in a village. Uh, one day she was gossiping about her neighbor, this other lady and her family, and she told a lot of secrets and a lot of things to the whole village about her. One day she realized, man, she did something wrong, and she wanted to write what she did, and so she went to the village wise man. And she said, sir, I did a terrible thing. I spread these lies and gossip. I gossiped about my neighbor. What can I do to make it right? And the wise man said, well, tomorrow go home, take two of your chickens, kill two of your chickens, pluck all of their feathers, and I want you to bring it to me the next day. And so the lady who gossiped went, and she took two of her chickens, killed them, and plucked all of their feathers and gathered. And, and she walked now back to where the wise man was. And by the time she had reached the wise man, all the feathers had flown out of her grasp, and they were everywhere. And she went to the wise man and said, well, I did it, but I only have a few left. And he says, now go and fetch every feather that fell out of your grasp. He says, how can I do that? I can't. She goes, yeah, that's what gossip is. It's like the feathers that are spreading, and once it's out, it goes, and it's out there forever, and you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. And she learned a powerful lesson there. And the fifth way that a fool uses his words or her words, is they boast about themselves. They brag about themselves. I love what Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another praise you, and not your own mouth. A stranger, and not your own lips. We all get caught up. 
our lips are always guilty of now promoting ourselves, talking about ourselves. Uh, it seems like the older, you know, the older we get, we, we become like, uh, you know, Al Bundy, the better I was back in high school, right? The better I was at football and when I was your age and we tell things. He says, don't let your lips do the praising. Not your own mouth do the praising or boasting. He says, let someone else do it for you. Let that only exclusively be done by someone else. A stranger, it says. It's interesting, it doesn't say your grandmother. Right? Your grandmother thinks you're wonderful. Well, my grandmother, when she was alive, she thought I was the best. Right? So don't have your grandmother do this. Don't have your mom do this. I read some articles that talked about how to handle moms that brag about their kids so much. Right? There, in WebMD, there was an article about this. Right? How to deal with parents that boast about their kids so much. Right? You've all been there. You've all heard that, and you're like, oh my gosh, your kid is not that special, above average maybe, but they think they're the best. They're putting it on social media, my kid's the best. Moms, grandmas might boast about you. So who does the writer of Proverbs say, let praise you? A stranger. Let a stranger see you objectively, and let them be the one to give you some feedback. Let them be the one to tell you if you deserve some praise or not. There's an old German proverb that I read. It said, self-praise stinks, a friend's praise limps, a stranger's praise rings. Right? How true is that? You can't go on Yelp and put a review about yourself, about the work that you're doing. It's the stranger that says, this is great. They are really good. A story about a battleship trying to navigate its way through a very foggy night. And the captain, who could barely see in front of him, could see in, in, through the light, uh, in through the night, in the fog, a little light, another ship is approaching. So he radios the ship and he says, this is Captain so-and-so, you need to turn 10 degrees north. And then he gets a response from the, the captain over there and he says, no, Captain, you need to turn 10 degrees south. And the captain of this ship it was a battleship, so he got pretty annoyed and he said, well, and he called them back and says, you don't understand. I'm the captain of battleship so-and-so. You need to turn 10 degrees north. And there's a pause and the radio goes on again and the person behind the radio says, I don't care if you're the captain of the battleship. I manned this lighthouse and you need to turn 10 degrees south. Sometimes we think we are so great so good and clever in our own eyes. And the moment that you are tempted to boast and to say, boy, look at me, I am so good. Look at me, you know, I'm so this. And you want to now boast about that. Man, fight it. Don't do it. Let a stranger do it, if anything. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's interesting that uh, James also, in his letter, uh, talks about this often about the, the, the power of words. And he says here, in James 3, 2, he says something interesting. Anyone who does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. So all of us listening to this, all of us are guilty of these sins, of these foolish acts. The only person who doesn't do this is a perfect man, he says. 
The only perfect man we know is Jesus Christ. Now we go back to the gospel message. Jesus died for us. He gives us all that we have. We come to him empty-handed, a sinner, able to do nothing, and he gives us everything. What does the gospel do? It now, he now becomes our justification. See, all of these types of speech that the fool uses is a fool's way of trying to justify himself. They'll lie, they'll flatter, they'll try to belittle others to make themselves look good. Uh, they'll boast about their works, they'll slander others thinking it makes them look better and trying to justify their works, their ability and who they are. But we as people who believe in the gospel realize He is the one who justifies me. He is the one who now defends me. I don't have to speak up for myself. Christ spoke up for me. And what a relief that is. And I, quote, I close with this quote from Martin Luther. Christ has done enough for me. He is just. He is my defense. He has died for me. He has made his righteousness my righteousness and my sin his sin. The defender is greater than the accuser, immeasurably greater. It is God who is my defender. What a thought that is. And so I want to encourage you to go run to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let him be the one who sticks up for you. Let your boast be about the cross of Christ. That I came empty-handed with nothing and he gave me everything. And I have all I have and I don't have to justify my works and good deeds. He justifies me. What a wonderful, beautiful news and message that is. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we do not have to speak up for ourselves in this way. We don't have to prove ourselves to other people around us. We don't have to try to compare our accomplishments. Jesus Christ, you are our ultimate uh, justification. You are the one who, Lord, has won everything for us, defeated death on the cross. So God, doesn't matter what others think. doesn't matter what kind of spotlight I get. It's you. So the gospel frees us. It liberates us. So now we could bless others freely with our words. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.